0: Well, hello, Castleton Church Family. Good to be outside. Wow, what a gorgeous day we got, too. I think September might be a little better choice than June and July for outdoor services. We'll, we'll take that into note for next time. Glad to have you all with us, and if you're visiting, especially glad for you to come, enjoy the beautiful evening. Hope it will be encouraging. Uh, we've been studying a book of the Bible called Micah. And if you have a phone with access to the internet, where you can look it up, or maybe you brought a Bible with you, you can turn to Micah chapter 5. We're going to be just looking at the first five verses this morning, Micah chapter 5. I'll read them in case you don't have a Bible, and then we will spend a little bit of time sitting under God's word together. Micah chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's uh, briefly pray together and ask God to bless our time studying his word. Uh, Father, we thank you for such a beautiful evening. And we thank you for a word that speaks to us. Yes, on beautiful days like this one, as well as days filled with turmoil and violence and difficulty. Thank you for giving us a word that is always relevant and always what we need for nourishment in our souls. Would you now open our hearts to receive that which you have provided by your spirit. Speak through me, Lord. Let your word be heard among your people, we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Kids, I've got something that you can do that your parents would love you can ask them, could you tell me the story of when I was born? Turns out everyone has a birth story of some sort or the other, whether they know it or not. And sometimes birth stories are near and dear, the type of thing that gets better every time you tell it. Um, One particular family was in uh, Pascog, Rhode Island, the Castongues. They had a interesting birth story just back in July. Uh, turned out Jim and Bianca, the parents, had just gotten a brand new SUV, and Bianca was expecting. Well, one morning she woke up in l- having labor pain, so they got into the new SUV and started driving to the hospital. And as they got onto Route 106, it turned out that baby could not be stopped. Uh, she delivered their child, little Gabrielle, Um, was born right on the side of the road in their brand new SUV. When their seven-year-old son heard the news, he responded by saying, Oh my goodness, my sister was born on the side of the road! I get the feeling he's going to enjoy telling that story down the years from now. Uh, The mother, when interviewed, she said, "Uh, It was definitely a memorable experience, but it's not something I would recommend to anyone else. The punchline of the whole story, though, is on the birth certificate, the location is listed as Route 106. That's a pretty good birth story. You know, one of the reasons that birth stories stick so well is they are stories of life beginning. They're the sort of story where we remember how a new person came into this world, especially someone we love. That's a wonderful thing. It can give you hope to remember those moments where life breaks into this world, because frankly, so much of life in this world is difficult, isn't it? Micah was writing during a time of great trouble and turmoil. And if you're living in a time of great great trouble, you need a reason to have great hope, which is why Micah speaks about a birth, a birth story that the whole world needs to know about. A birth story that it turns out is the reason for God's people to hope in dark days. And a birth story, which is the reason your heart should have hope, even this evening. This life may be full of painful waiting, but if you're a Christian, it's not forever. One day, God's peace will come forth. And you'll know what it means to be under the peaceful reign of Jesus forever. Uh, the passage we just read, we'll, we'll study it in two sections. The first is dealing with pain, the painful weight in verses 1 and 3. And then secondly, the reason why it's worth waiting for, the peaceful reign in verses 4 and 5 and in verse 2. In all this, I hope you will come away knowing that you can experience the peaceful reign of Jesus today and for all eternity. Let's begin with that first point, the painful wait in verses 1 through 3. I already alluded to this, but this was a painful time to be a part of the nation of Israel. Uh, the, The northern tribes of Israel had already been taken off into exile, and the southern tribes of Judah were just counting down the days until the same happened to them. Uh, Verse 1, you get a picture of what these days were going to be like. Siege is being laid against them. There is both pain and humiliation. They're told that someone strikes their judge on the cheek. Now that's almost surely a reference to the king of Judah, Hezekiah, being humiliated when the Assyrian king, Sennacherib came and taunted him in front of his own walls of the city of Jerusalem. Hezekiah was powerless, He had no military might to do anything about it. All he could do was beg for Santa not to humiliate him any further. It was a very low point and it was going to get lower because one day the Babylonians would come and take them from their homeland off to live in a far off place under the oppression of a cruel nation with foreign gods. Knowing that this was coming, people back that day, they were were wondering where they could find hope. Well, Micah gives them an idea that the pain they are experiencing isn't going to go on forever, that their pain will break forth into new life. In verse 3, he says it this way, that this will go on, that God will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Uh, If you were with us last Sunday, you might remember this image that he used of a woman in labor, a baby on the way but not yet here, and all the pain that comes to deliver a new life into this world. That picture of a woman laboring is a picture for God's people in exile, waiting to be brought back to the the place where they were supposed to be under God's reign. Micah picks back up on this and he says, there is going to be an end point to your pain. There's going to be a day where the exile will be over. And it's going to happen on the day when that labor is done and the new life of the baby arrives. On that day, the rest of the brothers shall be returned to the people of Israel now, in Micah's day, they probably would have interpreted this as just thinking about the reality that exile wouldn't last forever, that at some point God would bring them back and the pain would be over. But it's worth pausing to think about something that runs through your whole Bible and runs through every Christian life. The reality that very often you have to wait on God to alleviate your pain. Now, there's a lot of preachers that make a lot of money on TV telling you that you can live your best not life right now in this earth if you'll just believe hard enough or send a big enough check to them in their ministry. But that's not the message of the Bible. From the Old Testament through the New Testament, you see a people that are asked to wait on God. To wait through long, tear-filled nights that seem like they come without number to wait through years of struggling with feelings of shame, to wait through painful incidents after painful incidents, not sure when God will lift you out from the pit, but with the hope that he will, that God doesn't ever abandon his children into difficulty, that the pain they experience is but for a short time, and that one day, whether it's on this earth or in the eternal life to come. But one day, all pains of this earth will fade away into forever joys in God's presence. I wonder if maybe you're here this evening and God has you in a place where that you would describe as some sort of pain. Maybe it's someone you want so badly to be living a, a wiser, better life than they are. Maybe it's someone that you greatly desire to become a Christian and you've been praying for years and they haven't become a Christian yet and that reality just hurts you. Or maybe it's something in your own heart, some sin that you seem to come back to, some weakness that embarrasses you, so something that God is forcing you to trust him with again and again. Would you remember that every pain in this world is temporary and that there's a better life coming that will one day break forth when Jesus returns, if you're found in him. Well, that first section shows us this waiting and this pain that was present back in Micah's day. But that pain only really serves as a backdrop for what's coming. And that's the second point. What makes all the pain worth it? The peaceful reign of the king that's coming. Micah looks forward as he is a prophet. Which means he often speaks of a day coming for in the future, and in this day he speaks of an actual birth of a baby who will one day be the king who will rule with peace over God's people. In verse two, you get a window into that day to come. He says, "But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah." Are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth from me, one to who is to be the ruler in Israel. He looks forward to a day when a baby will be born in, frankly, the middle of nowhere. Bethlehem was too small of a town to even show up on the military map. Uh, If you were with us when we studied chapter one. There was a whole list of all these towns in Judah that got conquered when the Assyrians came. Bethlehem's nowhere on it because Bethlehem was too small and insignificant for anyone to care about. And yet, from Bethlehem has already come forth someone pretty important a guy named King David. Uh, Micah uses three places in a row Bethlehem, Ephrathah, and Judah. And if you have time later this week, you can look at uh, 1 Samuel 17, 12. Turns out that Israel's great King David was from the exact same town, Bethlehem, described as uh, followed by those same two other towns. In other words, Micah is saying a new David is going to come. And and when he comes, he will be of that long dynasty, that, that lineage of the kings of Israel that God promised would have a king forever on the throne. He will be as of one coming from of old, ancient of days. In other words, the, the line of David won't be spent just yet. Another king is going to come. And in fact, his coming is going to usher in a time of peace and prosperity and safety unseen among God's people, even in Solomon's heyday. And verses 4 and 5, you see what that rain is going to be like. It will be a rain filled with his protection because he will be a strong shepherd. He will have the very strength of the Lord in order to protect God's people from all their enemies, anyone that will come to try and steal or rob or destroy. It'll be a reign filled with majesty and glory. This king will be so great that they're going to know him around the world. He's going to be world famous when it's all said and done. And God's people, they're going to finally be able to dwell secure. No more armies to come conquer them. No more enemies to make them afraid. They will live in God's place under God's good king, and it will be good forever. And then there's that last line, first line of verse 5, and he shall be their peace. Now notice it doesn't just say that he will bring them peace, although he will. It says something much more than that. It says he will be their peace. Peace will have come to live with them, and peace will be incarnate in this king you get a feeling that this rain is the sort of thing that is worth waiting for? Surely in Micah's day, they would have looked forward to this coming king with anticipation. We actually know that the rabbis came to view this as a messianic psalm, a uh, messianic passage. That is, they thought it was uh, talking of Israel's anointed king that would come, that would usher in the end of all things. But if you're a Christian, you already know who this king is. Because in Matthew chapter 2, a group of people were looking for a baby that was born in Bethlehem. Uh, King Herod wasn't very pleased about the fact that someone said a great king was about to be born. So he went and asked some people that are supposed to know about these sorts of things, where does the Bible say that this king, the Messiah, would be born? In Matthew 2.6, this passage of Micah 5.2 is quoted. He'll be born in Bethlehem. It turns out his name is Jesus. Jesus is the one who came and brought God's people back from exile. Jesus is the one who brought them a place of safety to dwell in because he is the the very place where God and his people meet. Jesus himself is the one that ensures that no one can do them harm because he is the good shepherd the one who uses the very strength of God to protect his people. And Jesus is the one who's going to be world famous to rule over the whole earth because he is Lord of the whole earth. Jesus did all this, starting as a little baby in a manger in Bethlehem, swaddled and laying on a bed of hay where animals were meant to eat. What a strange way for God to fulfill this prophecy, given some 600 years before his arrival. And yet, as we look back on it, what perfect hope it gives our hearts to know that Jesus is the promised one that would come and rule over God's people, which means he could rule over our hearts today and forever. If you're here this evening and you're not a Christian, I just want to recognize this has been a pretty hard year to live through for all of us. Maybe you found yourself wondering more about your personal safety than you have in a long time. Uh, Maybe you've been worried about all sorts of things like pandemics and plagues and wars and different types of turmoil in society that have had you wondering, is there any place to find peace in this world? Friend, those aren't bad questions to be asking. But I I hope you understand that Christians, we don't think there is such thing as peace to be found in this world other than the peace that's found in a relationship with Jesus. See, we we think that the problem with this world is too big for any army or politician or philosophy to solve. That no amount of do-gooding or money or technological advances will ever stop these problems that have plagued humanity since the beginning. Because according to the Bible, our problems are our hearts. Hearts that are selfish. Hearts that want more than anything for us to be on top. Hearts that will hedge even on the things we claim to be our moral codes if we think it might get us a bigger piece of the pie. The Bible says all of these are symptoms of our real problem that we don't worship God the way we should. That because we have tried to become masters of our own lives and hearts, that ourselves, our hearts, and the world around us is irreparably broken. Friends, that's a a pretty gloomy message. That means things aren't going to get better in this world. And yet, if you know a Christian well, I hope you know that we are hope-filled people. It's not because we have some naive view of the world. It's because we've come to know Jesus, the one this passage in Micah prophesied 2,600 years ago. And we have found him to be everything this passage has claimed to be and more. We found that he's dealt with our problem, our sin problem, that he's dealt with that by dying on the cross as a substitute for our sins. That because of that, he can make peace between us and God. He can push away the guilt that once was a stain on our heart and now bring us into God's presence, the place we were meant to be. And he's done that all by giving up his life out of love. Uh, We believe that Jesus will bring peace to this earth because he is the rightful king over the whole earth. Uh, Right now, you can't see his reign in a building or an army. Right now, he reigns in the hearts of his people. That means in all the Christians that are living, Jesus is as real to us as the trees you see in the sky, and even more real, because he has shown himself to be what our hearts so desperately need. He is our peace. He's the reason we're together. The Bible tells us that he is taken people that were formerly enemies and brought them together into one new man, into the church. If you're here this evening and you're not a Christian, I I hope that you would take the time to investigate what it means to become a Christian. I'm here to tell you, you'll not find peace in this world anywhere else. If you're interested in that after the uh, service you can come up uh, right right by these doors i 'll be hanging out. I have a book I would love to give you as a gift it's a great place to start if you are trying to find out what the Bible says about how you can know Jesus Now to all of us who are Christians I hope you I hope you know that you have a birth story that gets better every time you tell it. Certainly you have a birth story of the day you became a Christian. That's your testimony. And if you haven't gotten in the habit of regularly telling people about how you came to be born again in Christ, let this be a reminder to you. Do it. Maybe this week that someone that, that God has in your path needs to hear your story of how Jesus is your peace. But even more than that, each of us as Christians has a birth story A story that is now world famous. A story that we tell again and again, especially around Christmas time. The story of how God brought his people from a time of great trouble into a time of peace and safety. We have the birth story of our Savior Jesus. So maybe this week you take a moment to remember that baby that was born in Bethlehem. The one so helpless and frail in his mother's arms who would grow to become the strong shepherd over God's people. Uh, Maybe you remember that little baby who came into a world full of turmoil and trouble to bring it peace. The peace you now know in your heart as a Christian. Maybe you remember that baby under the threat of a king that wanted to kill him but a baby who came so that you and I could dwell secure, to have our souls be forever in safety by dealing with our sins once and for all. Maybe this week you'd spend some time remembering that little baby that came to reign over us forever. And most of all, remember his name, Jesus. Would you pray with me? Oh, Jesus, we so desperately need your peace to reign in our hearts today. Jesus, we know that there are many things that have caused us to be anxious and filled with turmoil this week. We ask your help. Would you, even as we sing these next couple of songs in worship to you, would would you push into our heart this hope? that these troubles will not last forever, that they are temporary, and that what is coming is forever peace and security in your kingdom. Oh, Jesus, would you give us a sense of joy and, and even a prompting by your Spirit to worship you in our song now? Would we be filled with your Spirit to praise your name, to sing your greatness to make sure that the world knows you are the king that is worthy of worship. Jesus, thank you for this evening, and thank you for being the savior that your people needed. Fill us with your spirit now, we pray, in your mighty name. Amen.